Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Points of Brew podcast with me, Stephen Carter. In this episode, I am joined by Josh Waldock from Turning Point Brew Co. over in Knaresborough, North Yorkshire. Josh heads up their sales and events team, which we discuss as part of this episode. Josh shares some insight into what it's like working on the event and festival circuit and how it isn't always as glamorous as it sounds. I've always thought that Turning Point release a wide variety of beer styles and seem to nail each one of them every time. From stouts to hoppy IPAs and anywhere in between, Turning Point have a strong reputation for their beers both locally and further afield. Josh discusses what he thinks the brewery is best known for and how they come up with new ideas, recipes and names for their beers. Josh also talks about the stout walkabout in York, which sadly has been and gone before this episode has aired. I'll let Josh tell you more about it first during the show, and then we'll chat about it a bit before we close the show out later on. Not being a stout fan, I didn't head over myself, but I saw plenty of people enjoying themselves whilst they were there. Hopefully we enjoy our chat. After we've finished, either pick up some of their beers or plan a trip to the taproom once it's opened again for the summer. And here I am with Josh now. Right, Josh, welcome to the Points Brew podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome, mate. You're very welcome. I appreciate you taking the time out of your of your day to uh, to join me. So uh, we were just chatting off air before we started recording. You are just taking shelter at home out of the office for now, aren't you? So yeah, yeah, very briefly. Yeah, we've had a we had a positive COVID scare, and um, I'm going on holiday in two days, so I wanted to make sure I was fine for that. Yeah, definitely, mate. I know the feeling. Me, me and Anna are going away on Friday as well, so we're not going abroad. We're going to Cornwall, but still, I. I wouldn't be very happy if I got struck down by COVID just before going away. So no, yeah. I uh, I appreciate it. So um, so that sort of leads us off nicely into um, into your day to day activities at Turning Point, Josh, and I suppose how you how you got there. So do you want to explain about your history and journey in craft beer and how you came to be at Turning Point and and what yeah. you do there now? Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've worked for Turning Point since November twenty nineteen. Um, and I've done sales and events there. So that coincided with Turning Point uh, moving to their, the current site in Nesborough because mm-hmm. it was triple capacity of the old site and someone needed to come and sell it all. And that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, before that, I, well, I got into beer originally through hospitality. Um, I worked at the Alexandra Hotel in Derby when I, I'm from the East Midlands, so that's where I started. Okay. And then... Um, I was assistant manager at Foley's Tap House in Leeds City Centre. Um, and from there, I became the brewery manager at Ridgeside Brewery, uh, which I'm sure many people have heard of. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, uh, and then I was briefly at Heist, who are have now opened their massive taproom site in Sheffield, in Neepsend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, turning point for the last two and a half years, although a lot of that has been obviously a bit different to what we normally used to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot of it spent at home, which I'm sure, like you say, is very, very different to what your yeah. your duties were at you know, Foley's and and Ridgeside and and Heist. So it's a a nice little scattering there, I suppose, from from general hospitality into into craft beer. So did did the opportunity just come up at Foley's for you to move from from sort of general hospitality to get um, into craft beer, or how did that how did that come about? Well, I actually went into banking out of university. Um, right. Okay. So I I went to university and got a degree in law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then used that to get a job in banking, uh, which was 
pretty high, highly stressful, uh, even if it was well paid. And yeah, um, yeah. after three and a half years of that, I decided that I couldn't do it for the rest of my life and uh, mm-hmm. took quite a substantial pay cut to go back into a hospital into, into hospitality because it was a, a scene that I enjoyed, particularly mm. the beer scene of it, because um, I was given the responsibility of buying the beer in for a pub and just went on from there. I, you know, I've been get, I've been in, into beer since my dad used to take me to real ale festivals at much too young. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, no, it's. I think I think a lot of people start the journey into beer in, in that way, don't they? See, it seems to be that they've got in it from just enjoying drinking, or that they had a, a corporate job that they didn't enjoy, or they got made redundant. It's like I want to actually do something where I don't want to come out every day and just shoot myself or hate myself and just yeah, do something well, I enjoy doing. Well, like I, like I said, was, uh, the sales and events at Turning Point is the best thing about it is every day is different. Um, mm. You know, I can I can spend a day at my computer and then the next day I'll be traveling. The next day I'll be in the cold store building pallets to ship out to wholesalers. The next day I'll be running at a bar at a beer festival. Mm. You know, I, I couldn't do it. if it, I couldn't do it if it was the same every day and it's not, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? Like you say, and and we sort of linked up from from you coming doing a a, a tasting at, at the shop um, at Yorkshire Craft Beers, which which you did, and you were uh, helpfully you live closer to to Castleford than than uh, than Nairs, but you live in Leeds, so you you managed yeah. managed to get the train back from there and and take take uh, take full uh, advantage of that. But yeah, it's it's great that you are able to do that and and have such a a diverse and an interesting role, like you say, where your day to day activities are are different every day and, and things. So how many people are actually at turning point, including yourself and the brewing team? Uh, we have we have uh, seven full-time staff um, and then we have part-time staff that join us when the tap room's open. Um, but yeah, day, day-to-day, seven. Yeah, yeah. So still still relatively small scale, even though you've kind of tripled your capacity of uh, of brewing. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting how you know, different production facilities and different industries work and it still terrifies me that we can put you know, 15,000 pints a week out into the world and only have seven mm. people like working for the business it's yeah strange. yeah <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people well not a lot of people but few people doing uh, a lot of work and a lot it's it's, it's great at this world isn't it but it's like sort of quite a lot of pressure on on sort of a small team to to get things right and make sure it's it's correct because ultimately like you say the when you're putting so much beer out, it's, it's got to be right, hasn't it? So the last thing you want is mistakes, which... Yeah, I mean, you've got the production side of it, making sure that, you know, the, the quality of the product is there for the customer. And then at the same time, the, the front of house and, you know, managing the, the social media aspect and making sure that the brewery is, you know, professional um, in all that it does, even with such a small team. And and was the was the brewery of a Harrogate way or somewhere before it was meant to, before you moved to Nairobi? Where was it? Where was it originally? It was originally in Kirby Moorside in the okay. North Yorkshire Moors, um, middle of nowhere, really. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was Aaron and Cameron, the two owners, uh, still still the two owners to this day, and they set it up, set it up there. So I suppose the nearest population centre was York, which is why we have such a large following there. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. No, it makes sense because obviously you've got um, you got the Fosgate tap in, in there. That's your sort of base, haven't you, in, in York City Centre, which is a great great little little bar. It does mostly our beers and a lot of other ones but decent food as well so we'll we'll come on to uh, that later on uh, an event that you've got coming up in york but that kind of explains part of the reason why you're uh, why you've got yeah. a, a base in york anyway but um 
in terms of the um, the naming and the branding for Turning Point, then obviously you said from from the two owners who, who were set up there. What what was the the story there in terms of how how they came together and where the naming and the obviously the the space and astronaut you know so astronaut themed beers <laughs> and names sort of come from. Where's all that all that come from? Well, the um, the name itself um, of the brewery Turning Point isn't as interesting as the names of the products that we produce. Right. Um, so uh, Aaron uh, used to work for a different brewery uh, mm-hmm. in sales, and Cameron was working uh, running a, a pub in York. Okay. And um, those uh, careers paths ended, and they both decided to come together um, as sort of you know, Aaron was selling to Cameron regularly, and that's how they met. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they decided to take a turning point in their career paths. Uh, Makes sense. It's a pretty uh, logical and, and straightforward <laughs> reason for the name. I think Aaron was determined that it would have three syllables. Um, so not sure why. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, beer names since beer names and things like that since then. Yeah, it's, space sort of happened accidentally because uh, we have an independent artist that works for us called Lottie Walsh, who's based mm-hmm. in New York. A lot of her art was that even before she started working with us. Yeah. So that, that was a, just a happy accident, really. Um, a lot of our beer names are based on references of music, television and film that we all love because the beer naming process and, and the production process is a bit of a shared across a lot of the team. Mm-hmm. So um, we all have different interests. Some of us have the same interests and those link into the beer names. Yeah. So Cameron is a massive fan of the Peep Show. So there's Peep Show references and... Um, but then, yeah, mus- musically, it might be Aaron that comes up with something from the early 90s and mm. it all mixes together and creates all those names. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it makes sense. And it's, I suppose in, in some ways it makes it a little bit easier, sort of like the naming process, because otherwise you can scrutinise what, what you're going to call this beer. And, and But then if you actually name it after something, the name's already there, isn't it? You just need to... And I suppose a lot of them just happen in conversation or the idea just crops up naturally without of having course. to sit and think about it. Yeah, I mean, we will just be talking in the office and someone will say a, a particular line, um, you know, just a, something that's a little bit funny. Mm. And one of us will just shout, beer name, and it'll yeah, go yeah. on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you have like a collective sheet or a board or something that you just stick names on? Yeah, it's a, it's a Google Drive document. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Cause you, I suppose the thing is that you just don't know when inspiration is going to gonna hit deer really you could just even if you're not at work if you're just on a, a driving or on a bus or a train or something i suppose it's just a or you're actually watching it as well if you sat watching it and then it's like yeah that'd work yeah that'd be great at that yeah and then it's it's exactly the same process with with recipes really i mean obviously we we can only brew certain things at certain times but in terms of ideas and innovation within the the, the brew team will be again we have a, a drive document we just in our own ideas and see if they work and see if they link into the the schedule that we need for the year yeah yeah so is there a very, like sort of often times where you'll stick something in there and things get tweaked or it's like don't be stupid or that's not going to work how, how often do, you, do your ideas get battered back or out or how many how yeah. often do they actually get through to saying yeah that's a good idea that actually yeah we'll do that probably about 50 50 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. That I, I like that, and I think a lot of other breweries are, are the same in terms of a bit of an open door policy when it comes to, you know, the the ideas and things. Which yeah, you've got to have a brewing schedule to give you a a rough plan for for the year, which obviously has been incredibly difficult these last two years, especially. 
um, in terms of what what to brew and and the scale and such. So, would you guys touching on that? Would you guys say that you're back on full capacity now, post COVID, or are you still sort of creeping back mm-hmm. up to to full capacity? Yeah, probably probably eighty percent mm. would be a rough estimate, mm. but um, still massive improvement on what happened last year. And yeah, yeah, I've, every, every week since mid January has been substantially better than the week before it. Mm-hmm. So it's all going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fingers crossed, mate. It's, um, I think it's as we get closer to that, you know, nicer weather springs it in. Summer gets, you know, when when summer sort of comes along and the, the festivals start happening, which obviously, as you know yourself, when they start happening, you'll probably shift in beer left, right, and centre, and probably can't keep up with demand, and you're be cursing and sort of missing the quiet times as much as anything. Yeah, and then when when those circumstances inevitably happen, you just have to remind yourself that it's a much better problem to have than yeah. not having anyone to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it, mate. You you kind of you got to take the rough with the smooth and be grateful for what you've got, haven't you? In terms of, of course, for not not forgetting what's happened for the last two years, which have been uh, incredibly tough and incredibly challenging and and things. But have, have you guys managed to sort of come out of it? the other side relatively unscathed and things are you did you yeah, lose um, anyone or yes we've i think i think karen and cameron have handled it brilliantly and um we've yeah it's, it's definitely not been easy but we've we're at the other side to, and we still exist uh, mm. which is you know some some breweries weren't so lucky unfortunately yeah but, um we we adapted and it, i think it showed that the whole craft beer scene is extremely adaptable the amount of mm-hmm small businesses that change their model within weeks and then yeah. and then with every, with every uh, interview uh, that Boris made on a Monday morning change their business model again yeah <laughs> so. yeah well that's it isn't it and having to pivot and like you say almost on a weekly weekly basis change what you're doing and how you're operating and, and things like that so did you did you go to sort of distribution and sort of direct customer online as well as other other breweries did you have to pivot to do that as well yeah so we we changed and did a lot more can than we would normally do um as as did most breweries our um web store did much better than it did ever before we did have one beforehand but it was always sort of a side project um and then it became the most important thing we could do and yeah uh, we were so happy with the the customer loyalty and local support and the amount of people that we were delivering directly to in Harrogate and Leeds and York that that were just constantly wanting new products from us in Cannes and and even after even when restrictions got a little bit eased the amount of people that sort of decided that they were going to continue to support local not just craft beer but you know go keep going to their local butcher and they didn't before yeah. and things like that it's a it's a noticeable change i think as much as anything in terms of obviously making sure these businesses were there after covid like you say because sadly a lot of businesses weren't able to survive and couldn't change the dynamic and they weren't geared up for that but also i think from a an environmental impact a lot of people now are, are thinking about the habits in terms of being more environmentally friendly in terms of where things are sourced from how far they come in traveling etc etc the ingredients that are being used within and i think that is going to play a bigger, a lot bigger part in everybody's buying habits very, very soon, whether we'd like it or not. I think it is going to be a lot, a lot more at the forefront of people's consciousnesses and, and minds of, well, I'm buying this, but I'm buying it from somewhere that's five miles down the road rather than coming from the other side of the world, which is only going to help our own economy and our own businesses rather than outsourcing it. So I think in some ways it, it might limit people's availability, but 
sort of help the longevity and the sort of the long-term benefit of every local business that lives close to to us really yeah i hope it, I hope it continues every little helps yeah yeah no no definitely mate it's just one of them things that that you know every, like you say everything every little change that people can make is 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 beneficial to to everybody really and and long may it continue so you touched on it with the naming of the beers and sort of the idea process behind it and the the everyone chipping into to those ideas but i think it'd be fair to say that turning point do a lot of styles and they do them particularly well i a lot of some breweries you'd say that are, are better known for one style or they do a lot of this and they do a lot of that where I think Turning Point do quite a, a broad catalogue of, of different styles. So would you say that's challenging to maintain in terms of doing quite a lot of, a bit of everything? So a lot of IPAs, pale, sours, stouts, you know, wheat beers, lagers, that sort of thing. Is that quite a, a challenge and is it a good challenge to have, do you think? Um, our, our brewers might give a different answer. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, I, I think it's a it's a brilliant it's brilliant to be known for such a wide variety of, mm. of products. And if anything, we we would like to do even more than we do already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the market dictates the market dictates to a certain extent what we can produce. Yeah. We'd love to we'd love to say that we just brew what we feel like every time, mm-hmm. but you know, the, you have to decide what style you're making based on whether it'll sell always. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. We, I think we've always been really strong with our with our hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I think that was just right from the get go. Um, but I think as we've developed and our processes have developed and our equipment has improved, yeah. I think I think our um, all of our other styles, particularly our big stouts and our sours, have uh, have caught up mm-hmm. with the quality of our hoppy beers as well. Well, I think it was just was it just this week where you were you put some um, stories or posts on on social media about you adding a load of fruit juices to a, an upcoming sour. So it's like you're clearly not shy of pushing the pushing the boat out of sort of the more experimental or out there things for the sours and things. Which I when when you've done them, I've, I've thought have been incredible. The stouts not so much. I'm not a big stout lover, but certainly the sours. I think the sours that you do, I think uh, you do them incredibly well. So as soon as I saw the as soon as I saw the the fruit puree and juice has been added. It, Got, got me a bit excited so i was like yep yeah, i'll uh, i'll be keeping my eyes uh, eyes peeled when that when that arrives yeah i think it's uh thursday the 31st that's how we'll be launched mm. um i think we're launching at the Foscate tap actually nice yeah for, uh, fruits of the forest parfait sour excellent that's the description yeah yeah sounds great no it sounds great the uh, the last one that we had on the um the inner city sumo the the pavlova sour that was that was great. To me, it's, it's, it's one of them that, to me, a lot of sours don't taste overly sour, which I know obviously sourness is subjective, but to me, it just it just tastes like juice, which to me is just excellent. Just stick me somewhere sunny and warm, and just give me a load of that, and I'll be I'll be happy. I'll be laughing. So not like I say not not the stouts as such, but um, on that note, what what do you sort of again, you brewers would probably say say differently, but what what do you think that turning point is? most renowned for or what would you say that your strongest style is like you say you're really good at the hoppy things and the stout things but what would you say that you see the biggest demand for and what would you think that you guys do best if anything in particular i think our customers know us best for our bigger hoppy beers Mm. predominantly um five five to eight percent fresh hops in you know large quantities of dry hop Mm -hmm. but we we tend to straddle the line in between um sort of uh east like it's not we don't just make new england ipa it's not just soup 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we tend to try and have a bit of balance in all of our IPAs as much as we can. There's always, there's always a little bit of a, a bite to them on the end, which I think improves um, drinkability. Uh, Disco King is the best example of that. Disco King is our best-selling beer. It's about 35% of what we produce because we have so many permanent lines of it. Mm. Um, and that is the sort of beer where it's so super juicy up front and then dries out a little bit of dryness, a little bit of bitterness on the back end. And that just makes you want another mouthful of it, which yeah, is yeah. probably why we sell so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just clever marketing, just make them as bitter as possible or as much bitterness as possible to get people coming back. But now I, I fully appreciate what you mean. Cause it's, you know, as much as I love the really, it's a really soupy or almost custard like hoppy beers that, you know, so bright, so yellow, so hazy, really thick and smooth. But there's just something about, like, say, that balance of just having a nice bitter finish at the end or that nice little hit at the end that just rounds a beer out nicely and just, like, say, makes it a bit more drinkable and, and wants you to go back for another sip. Because obviously, a, a New England does, but then, like, say, that little drying finish is just like, keeps you keeps you going back which is obviously not yeah. not a cynical ploy but it's a nice it's a nice beginning middle and an end to a beer rather than just getting constant juice and and fruit from just super super hoppy beers yeah, i think i think it gives a bit more depth um, a bit more character as well um and yeah I'd also, I'd also say that um at least in our new site i think we've been putting out uh, such amazing imperial stouts and i think that's getting a lot more attention mm. so um we've been increasing our barrel production to do barrel aged beers mm-hmm. uh, which is helping as well but yeah I'm, I'm trying to get more and more imperial stouts out there yeah, yeah. Um, which is part of the reason why we're doing that event in april yeah 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 which will will come on to nicely there which is a nice little little segue in, into the event which the event probably will have gone by the time this this podcast does come out but you've you've got your stout walkabout coming out uh, at the start of april which obviously we touched upon there as york you have quite a, a strong following from from year obviously the the starting point from from the brewery so i think you've really pretty much answered the question as to why york from from your earlier answer which obviously is, is probably the, the same response but do you want to tell us a bit more about what york stout about is stroke was and and the idea behind it absolutely um so it was quite a spontaneous idea recently based on some extreme advanced planning. Um, since before I joined Turning Point, Turning Point right. have been holding on to casks of Imperial Stout with the plan of doing some sort of event in the future where we would put them all on at a festival or in our own tap room. And um, we decided that the best option was to work collaboratively with some of our favorite pubs and best customers in York City Centre, which is where we first got known, um, where, you know, where we released so many of our beers and where our tap room is. Um, makes sense mm-hmm. that way. Several of the people that work at Tony Point live in York City Centre as well, which makes it useful. But yeah, we have uh, seven different Imperial Stouts aged over the course of... Uh, three and a half years, I think the oldest one is, Um, all in cask in seven different pubs across York. And the idea is that you have a small measure of each stout in each pub. You get a stamp every time you have one. And once you've stamped your entire card, you go to one of the the end pubs, depending on which way you do the route. And at Mm -hmm. the end, you will get a, a gift bag with some beers and some merchandise off us as an appreciation of you supporting our beers in 
the pubs that we love so much. No, nice. It's 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 nice because I think York gets overlooked quite a lot in terms of uh, in favour of the likes of Leeds, Sheffield, Manchester have been a a good city for beer. And and looking at the list of, of venues on that walkabout is like I I went to I went to Union. Uh, in York, so I know York pretty well, but even there, there's some pubs on there that I'd, I'd not even seen before or heard of, I've even been in, so it's kind of even, even though I wouldn't necessarily appreciate the stouts not drinking them, it kind of opens up to, well, we'll have to go there in future then, of just following that path of, well, these are some pubs that are out there, so it's great that you're supporting it. I think, um, yeah, I think York, as you said, um, is great for beer, but suffers from being less than half an hour from Leeds. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of towns and suburbs that suffer from that, even where when it's not to do with craft beer. That's just how it happens when you have such a large, amazing city. I mean, I absolutely love Leeds. I live in Leeds. Um, mm. But the amount of people that never venture further. Um, so I can, you know, I think I think that Halifax is amazing for beer now, um, considering mm. its size. It's really impressive. And there's so many people that wouldn't even give it the time of day because... Why would you bother when you can be in Leeds? And I, mm. I get that. Yeah, I yeah. get that to a certain extent, but it's nice supporting the other local areas. And yeah, York has some amazing pubs. No, hundred percent. I, I get what you mean because it's you know for, for me it's Halifax. You wouldn't automatically think of well, why would I go there? You know, like you say, because you've got Leeds, and if, like for me, if I had to get a train to Halifax, I'd have to go to Leeds, then go to Halifax, and then like you say, the point is well, if I'm in Leeds anyway, yeah, then I might as well stay there. And I think that Leeds gets that reputation because there's so many breweries and brewery taps that are in Leeds City Centre and just on the outskirts of Leeds City Centre, which York obviously has Brew York in there and there's your tap room, but it doesn't have as many as what Leeds has, you know, the 30 or so that Leeds has yeah, but, in and around Leeds. But Leeds, Leeds is three what, three times the population, so it's you should yeah. expect it yeah, to yeah. be at least three times better. And so Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, the, the demand has to be greater in some respects. No, I get it, but it's no, I think I, I'd always prefer to go to York over Leeds anyway, because I think it's a much nicer sitting like you say because it's not as big and the population is not as great then it is a little bit quieter apart from when races are on and bank holiday weekends when it gets absolutely mental yeah but i think it's such a nice walk to just walk around the city in general whereas i wouldn't say that about leeds i wouldn't say oh it's nice just walk around leeds city center it's you know i wouldn't try and stay as in leeds city center as late you know small amount of time as possible beyond going into bars pubs what have you but york could at least happily walk around on a nice day walk by the river walk walls what have you stop in a couple of pubs and whatnot and have a nice day out whereas i don't think leeds really has that history whereas york does um, for obvious reasons yeah i mean i i love urban exploration so i i do enjoy walking around leeds but i i think mm. i totally agree with you in the sense that york is more photogenic yeah yeah <laughs> probably the best yeah, way definitely. to describe it <laughs> yeah, the, pol- the politest way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, but obviously, the the list um, of the beers for the um, the walkabout is is published. But just for people who might not have seen it or missed it, what 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 sort of examples of beers have you got pouring on, uh, on that day, Josh? See if I can remember them all. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, bourbon barrel aged grave diggers biscuits, nine uh, percent espresso martini stout. Um, we have. A brand new beer that's actually all in barrel except for one cask that's been released in advance, which is a uh, marble brewery collaboration called Leb Cucci. So it's a 9.7 ginger cookie stout. Mm-hmm. We have the last cask in existence, as far as I'm aware, of our Demolin collaboration 12% um, Imperial Gingerbread Milk Stout, bourbon barrel aged. 
uh, aggressive hospitality, which was a almond, fig, and cacao stout with wild weather. Um, mile zero, the 15% street waffle stout that we released at the start of lockdown. <laughs> uh, that's the highest ABV of the event. Ecstasy of gold, bourbon barrel aged, cacao and vanilla imperial stout. And uh, our newest one, the second law, which was our full circle collaboration that was um, released a couple of months ago. That's uh, the first beer that we've used tonka beans in. Which is the, we, we've had a keg of that on, which obviously you came and uh, discussed when you came and did the tasting, which has gone down incredibly well and even for me as a as a non-stout drinker i drank that i was like I, I could have actually drank some of that quite quite comfortably and quite happily um probably not much of it given it's 12 percent. you know it probably would have ended quite disastrously if i'd have if you'd have spent a long time drinking that but when you say small measures of each beer i'm, I'm assuming that you're not going to be uh, dishing these beers out in pints this one I'm, I'm going to be having pints of all seven um <laughs> we, i would recommend that most people have thirds um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I imagine it'll, uh, it'll, again, could end quite disastrously if people are, uh, are drinking pints of it, even if there's only seven. That's quite quite high. What, 9% is the lowest of the yeah, lot? So. 15 is the highest. Yeah, yeah I mean, it completely depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Drink yeah. responsibly. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. But there's there's obviously there's quite a few places to to eat in and amongst all the, all the venues anyway. So I'm sure most people are probably quite sensible and and break it with a bit of food. Yeah, and um, the Fosgate Tap, which is one of the pubs in question, which is our um, tap room in York, we always get seven of our beers there as a minimum. Um, and they use a lot of our beers in their menu, in their food menu, or oh, cook nice. using them. So that's a, that's probably the most, the one I would advise to eat in um, yeah, yeah. on the tour. So even when you're eating, you're still getting some beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't get away from it. No, the, the food is really nice in there. We've had... Um, We've been there on a Sunday a couple of times when they've done the the roast down. It is a the, the food is really nice there, so I can I can definitely vouch for it and recommend it. So, but it's a, it's a great little bar, even if you're just drinking, you know. Especially if you've got a, a window seat when it's nice and warm and you, the windows are open, you've got sun down. It's it's lovely. But I think, like I say, I think there's a lot of places like that in York that on a nice day you can be quite happily sat anywhere. To be honest, yeah. so we we went um, except if you sat in Spa because we went last year when it was like that baking up weekend when it was about 30 degrees and sat on top of spark under a parasol and was like I can't sit out here I cannot sit here I'm just melting I'm absolutely dying I needed to go sit inside somewhere with air conditioning so yeah which it's not often you sit in York and you're too warm it's usually too I always find that York's usually colder than anywhere else bizarrely but yeah when it was hot it was really hot yeah um, I wonder if that's got anything to do with um so I, I went out in Headingley uh, last summer and mm. all the pubs in Headingley had adapted their beer gardens for the winter because of the COVID restrictions. So they yeah. so they covered them up and they'd added heaters and they'd added, you know, different things to make it perfect for the, for a winter beer garden. And then all of those things were still in place in the summer. <laughs> and I went into a couple of beer gardens that were just that had been turned into these massive conservatories designed to keep heat in. Yeah, yeah. And it was unbearable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like a cat, a cat stay here. No, it's it's bad enough when you sit out in the sun at best of times anyway, isn't it? Without and like you say, turning them into yeah. like just a radiator or something, just trying to make it as warm as possible. Which generally speaking in this country we probably need. Yeah. You know, for a vast majority of the year it'll be absolutely fine. But those occasional days where it's glorious outside, it's like Jesus, I can't yeah. I can't manage that. So no, it's um, you, never happy that's the problem we're never happy it's either too cold too hot it's raining too much it's too cloudy it's just the joys of being british of course yeah but obviously part of your part of your job josh is um is being on the festival circuit like you say doing sales and events so sort of a two-part question really is what 
what is it like sort of doing the events? Obviously, there's obviously the positive side of being out and like you said, every day is different and doing doing different things each day. But I'm sure it's there are challenging times as well. But also, what does your 2022 look like in terms of the events that you've already got planned in beyond the, the walkabout, which we, we just discussed? Yeah, um, busy is how I describe the uh, the upcoming year. As you can imagine, <laughs> there's a lot of festivals, yeah, yeah. a lot of festivals, and a lot of venues that um, that are ready to jump in because they've been you know not been able to do one for however long, mm. and there, there's a lot of cancelled events that are coming in at the same time and overlapping with them. So we had to be very mm-hmm. careful about saying yes in a normal in a normal year. We would just keep saying yeah. yes, but um, mm. it very quickly became apparent that we we can't do an event every weekend logistically. And um, <laughs> so we had to start saying no uh, uh, quite quickly mm. this year. Um, so for me, the events, I absolutely love going out and meeting our customers, especially in different areas where I don't, where it's nice to see people recognizing our brand in areas where I, I didn't even think we had much of a foothold. Um, mm. And then also yeah, of course. equally, uh, inversely, showing people our brand who've never heard of it before and then getting positive yeah. responses from the beers at festivals, especially when we're down in London, it's it's really nice to see. Mm. Um, but yeah, if, on a festival, you know, going down in the van, driving hundreds of miles, setting up the bar, and then the the sheer amount of socialising is is quite draining for a lot of people. You know, yeah. uh, doing the same questions and the same answers over and over again with um, with customers and and with trade and representing the brand positively. So I imagine it's a little bit like being a rep, you know, like a holiday rep. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In that, in that way, but um, at, you know, the, some festivals you're absolutely ready for it, and you, you, you know, you're wired and you, you want to be involved. And then others, um, you might not, you might have had an extremely bad week or or be really busy, but you still have to be the same amount of enthusiastic. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't change it at all. Um, I love doing it. Uh, it's just a case of balancing it to make sure that you're not completely drained by the end of it. Um, the one thing about it is that if you travel to a festival, you tend to do a lot of weekends where you're in cities that you want to explore, but never actually get to see them at all. I suppose that's what it's like being um, like on tour as a musician or something. Yeah. So it's like hotel room, breakfast, festival, hotel room, and uh yeah you you wish that you could spend more time in those areas um sometimes Mm. but according uh, as 2022 concerned i think we have 15 festivals this year Mm. of which i'm doing at 10 or 11 i believe so i'm excited to get out there again and and i think that there'll be a a whole other level of atmosphere this year because there'll be so many people that have been cooped up and this is their for a lot of people this will be their first summer um, I know there were some events last summer when it opened up um, and I did a few festivals there, but I think last summer it was still very much in everyone's mind and everyone was a little bit more subdued and being being overly cautious. Well, not overly cautious, they were being quite rightly cautious. Yeah. yeah. But I think that uh, this summer people might let their hair down a little bit more and, um, mm. and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. It's like you say, the... The, the big festivals did happen last year in terms of like the Hop City, Leeds International, other other festivals did happen, but it was still at the forefront of people's minds very much so. And even I've been cautious all the way through, but last year I was obviously quite keen to get back out again, but was still rightly, like you say, taking the necessary precautions and measures. And even at Leeds International, you were kind of thinking, well, we're in, we're in the town hall. 
But if I were going to the supermarket, I'd be still being asked to wear my face mask and I'd be looking mm. at these people questioning them. But yeah, I'm, plonk me in front of some beer or plonk a beer in front of me, then it's like it's almost disappeared. So it was it was a weird, a weird circumstance last year, like you say, that in certain instances you'd have been questioning what you were doing, but then in others you weren't. I was I went to Bigfoot Festival, which was one of the first sort of trial events just out of lockdown, which again, that was a, a weird a weird situation to be in. Fair enough, it was all outside. It's a camping festival, so there was no real indoor spaces, but still it was a bit, you know, people still a bit twitchy. So like you say, when when we can get out and actually do festivals this year with, obviously it's not going away and it's not gone away, but its impact has lessened now and most people have taken precautions of getting vaccined and jabbed and what have you. So fingers crossed it's not a, a thing or as much of a thing this year. And like you say, theoretically, the reception and the, the atmosphere at these festivals this year should be better for all the right reasons as opposed to the wrong reasons for last year like you said yeah well we we did indie beer feast um which is our first festival of the year which was mm. uh, yeah. two weeks ago and um yeah that was incredible it's uh it's a relatively small festival uh in sheffield but it was just amazing to see other other breweries and catch up with people i've not seen in years and um mm. yeah if uh, if that was anything to go by then this summer's going to be amazing for their festivals i agree and like you say to actually see people that you'll have worked with in the past and then obviously worked with albeit virtually and, and remotely for the last two years to actually get back together and see them and things it'll be it'll be great to get back together and and what have you so something that i didn't um, write down but in terms of like collaborations and things is it are you part of part of the team that goes out in the field to do collaborations or is that the more the brewers that go out and do that? How does how does that work? Yeah, a lot of the time it's me. It's normally me and a brewer. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we've we never been keen on doing virtual collaborations. You know, collaborations mm. uh, formed via email. Um, that's not really what we think it's all about. So um, yeah. we did quite a bit less in terms of collaborations over COVID than we would normally do. Because a lot of our collaborations happen spontaneously. We, you know, we we make friends with another brewery at a festival, and uh, you know, a few pints later, we've come up with an idea and put a date in the diary. And we we love yeah, doing yeah. it like that because then it's a natural process where you know we've just we've created something through innovation and through teaming up. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more of those lined up as well, um, mm. more so than we would have done if we couldn't travel. And um, yeah. yeah, we've already done a few, and there'll be yeah a few more coming out this year as well. Yeah, yeah, no, excellent. And I think it's something that um, Adam from Verdant mentioned when I when I was chatting to him is that they collaborative people like offer something like in terms of they're good at a certain style or a particular style of things. And I suppose that's like what you're saying rather than just pinging an email to somebody saying would love to work with you or what have you just for the sake of working with working with somebody. It's great if like like you did like you say the the turning point and uh full circle collaborations you did a home and away one with them it's it's good that you kind of did a stout from your side of things which obviously i'm sure you were quite heavily involved with to put more stouts out but they're obviously known for quite oppy things like you are so you kind of got that balance there of yeah two very strong repertoires together of balancing it well they're good at this and we're good at that so we'll do that and it's only going to make things better because we've both got things to offer to each other rather than just should we just collaborate for the sake of sake of collaborating really yeah definitely we you know we've had breweries ask us to make specific styles with them so that they can see the process firsthand that we use and mm -hmm. then we can compare it to theirs things like that um and yeah it just it needs to be mutually beneficial uh from a business standpoint but also 
yeah, I'd, I'd never ask someone to do it if I hadn't already met them and knew that they were someone that we could get on with. Or even probably in, in a moral <clears> respects, <throat> even tried the beer because again, it's like you, you want to, you know what yeah. they're doing to understand whether it, like you say, it's got to be beneficial because we aren't being cynical. You don't want to put your name to a beer that you're not going to be entirely happy with, do you? You know, because it's, it's going to, it's going to backfire. So I completely understand. So no, I, uh, no, I completely get it. So you touched upon this um, earlier, Josh, in terms of your, your tap room and obviously having some, you know, the staffing and part-time staff for the tap room as and as and when it's open. So when are you sort of planning? Because obviously it's been been closed over the, the winter months. What What's the the plan for that in terms of its, its reopening and the, the coming schedule for for what's coming up with uh, hopefully the sunshine and the, the warmer months that are ahead of us? Yeah, so we're definitely planning on reopening um, as the warmer months get here. Um, mm-hmm. we, we don't have a date set in stone yet. Uh, and I think we're still, okay. I think we're still deciding whether it'll be monthly or weekly as well, which uh, mm-hmm. again, depends on staffing to a certain extent. But um, I think a rough estimate would be early May would be a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we could never keep it warm in the winter months. Um, so yeah, if, if we do it, it should be yeah April, May till September, October, I imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it will definitely reopen and um, we're excited to have it happen. No, fingers crossed to look forward to it, mate. It's somewhere that I haven't been yet, but it's um, it's on the list for, for me mm-hmm. and James to come out because that's something that me and James from the shop have said that we want to do this year is get out there and actually visit a lot more people after working with so many people like yourselves for so long, but then not actually being able to come and pay you a visit or, you know, see the site and, and see the brewery and things like that. And it's, yeah. you know... Yeah, obviously- we'll be, uh... I think we'll be opening 12 till 9, Friday and Saturday. If you can get them on a Friday, then I'll probably be there. Yeah, and yeah. Then I can uh, show you around. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll try and get somebody to cover shop for us and cover bar for us so we can get over. The difficulty with James will have to drive, unfortunately. Um, but that's that's great for me because I don't have to drive back. So I'll be I'll be <laughs> fine. But yeah, it's um I completely understand because obviously your your setup where you are, it's um is it an, is an old an old hangar, like a plane hangar that you set up in? So trying to keep a space like that warm i appreciate what be what be easy will it yeah it's uh it was a challenge um yeah we have got heaters and i don't think it's that much of a problem but there's a lot of people that are a bit more sensitive <laughs> to the cold than me um, maybe they haven't got quite so many layers and uh, <laughs> yeah, just stick it stick a jumper yeah, on but, what's, what's wrong with you yeah. But, um, but yeah i mean yeah we're, we're out in the uh suburbs of nairsborough I, I guess you say um mm. there's a it's actually a lovely walk if you don't it's the quickest walk from Nesborough train station is uh, about 20 minutes down, down the high street to us. But if you don't mind extending that to 35, 40 minutes, then you can walk all the way along the river to us from the town centre, which is absolutely beautiful. Oh, nice. And from Nesborough station, you can get direct trains to Leeds, Harrogate and York. So... So it's, uh, it's easier than some people might think it is to get to us. Like you say, people just see Nesborough has been quite a way away, but it's it's actually yeah. not bad to, to get to. I suppose if you're already sort of even if you're driving, if you plan on going to Harrogate, it's either kind of one of those, you go to Harrogate or Nairsborough, it's quite equidistant really, isn't it? If you go to one or the other, they're not really that far from each other or that much difficult for either one to get to, are they? Yeah, as long as you're not crazy like me and do it at rush hour. Well, um, yeah, there is can, that. You yeah, can yeah. Get, from, get from Leeds <laughs> to Nairsborough in, uh, yeah, Leeds to Nairsborough in half an hour if it's, mm. uh, if it's nice traffic. During lockdown, if you were able to go, I suppose it was great when there was reduced traffic, but now I imagine it's pretty much back to... Uh, 
back to normal of uh, fighting people yeah. to to get there, which is the joys, the joys, which I don't I don't miss traveling to Leeds and back every day in my previous job. I must admit, driving on the sixty two yeah, well, and living... the sixty two one is is a nightmare. <laughs> living in uh, living in Pudsey and working in Nesborough means that I I literally have Leeds in my way because mm. I'm I'm southwest Leeds and uh, Nesborough is northeast. So. Yeah, yeah. Create some issues. Unfortunately, Leeds is a bit of a pain to even drive around on the ring road, isn't it? It's not not the easiest of cities to, to get around. It's uh, it's not the easiest commuter city, I must admit. But no, Nesbra's a, a beautiful sort of town, um, I suppose you'd call it. And like you say, the the walk along the river that I haven't done to your place, but even just walking along the river, if you can actually do that, then I imagine that's a real on a nice day. That would be a really, a really nice and pleasing walk and a nice destination to finish on as well. You know, it's great, great. Great way to finish a, a good walk. Yeah, it's so picturesque around there, and we do do get a large quantity of tourists coming in the summer. Uh, there's you know holiday homes and caravan parks all around there. And also in Nesbury, you've got Blind Jacks, which is a nice little little micro pub as well, which is another another great spot to uh, to check out as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a good good handful of decent pubs in Nesbury, which uh, honestly surprised me when I first went over there mm. and started working in the area because it's less than twenty thousand people um in the town and uh yeah five or six really nice bars yeah so what, there's one on just on the level crossing it there's a pub on the level cross which i always forget the name of so there's a track and sleeper at the station bearing carriages bearing carriages at the top of the hill mm-hmm. in the station six six poor folk and Ruben mm-hmm. and gray opposite each other near the square the wine shop bottle shop mm-hmm. uh half the half moon yeah yeah which is a lovely old-fashioned pub but with really good beer in it right on the river yeah, there's there's plenty. Mm. Yeah, like you say, for a for a small for a small town, you, yeah. you don't do bad really, I suppose. But yeah, um, do you kind of get to obviously where you're living in Leeds? I guess you kind of don't really do you get to get out there often, or is it is just a a very rare sort of chance that you get out? Because obviously you have to commute back inevitably. But I suppose, like you say, it's a direct route with the train. Do you manage to get out much in in Nesborough? Or... Um, yeah, I, I try and go to Nesborough. I mean, I'm I'm at the brewery three times a week, um, at minimum. Yeah. Um, on site but yeah in terms of drinking in Nesborough and Harrogate uh, out into the pubs probably once a month mm. yeah part, partly for pleasure and partly to keep up with our customers and make sure everyone's happy no it's it's, it's great when you can uh, when you can sort of palm it off as a as a business trip almost isn't it <laughs> I've, I've got to do it I've got to go like you say you've got to go see these people and make sure the beer you know see how the beer's going yeah. down and things it's like well you've That's... got to do it <laughs> that's what all these uh, these terms have been invented for you know account management yeah. make sure your customers are happy yeah. um, market market research buy, buy other people's beer quality control yeah. buy your own beer yeah yeah <laughs> no no it's, you gotta you gotta do it mate you gotta do it it's all it's all essential it's all essential to the the the, the future of the business no I appreciate that but um, but that that pretty much is what we um what we had down to, to talk about today, Josh. So we appreciate you uh, you coming on and taking your time out. So is it is it is it no back problem. to is it back to work for you now? Is it got to get a bit of time left at work? Yeah, a few few more hours of work today and a full day tomorrow, and then I'm off to Krakow on Thursday morning. Nice. Then holiday mode has begun. Mm-hmm. Your out of office will be officially switched on. So Indeed. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure the uh, I'm sure they'll be in safe hands whilst you're gone, mate. You'll be. But how long are you going for? How long are you away for? Yes. Five days. Is, is this you getting a little sort of brief holiday in before silly season comes in with the festivals? And is that is that the idea behind it? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, and me and my wife have had this crack off trip booked since um, May 2020. So it's fine. We're finally right. able to do it because of the restrictions. <laughs> so uh, 
Yeah, yeah, get it in while you can, mate. No, get it in while you can. I don't blame you. But no, uh, Josh, thank you, uh, thank you very much for for joining me. Like I say, I appreciate it. But for people who don't uh, already follow you and, and want to find out more about what's going on in in the world of Turning Point, what's the uh, what's the best place for people to to find out what's going on? And where can they find out about it? Um, yeah, check out our social medias: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Turning Point Bruco. Um, our website and web store is always updated. We have an events page on our website as well, which shows everything that we're doing elsewhere, festivals, meet the brewers, beer launches, everything like that as well. Yeah, just keep an eye out. And there's a there's a tap room social media profile as well, separate to the brewery. Mm-hmm. And that's where you want to keep an eye out for when we reopen. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, no, I, I when I checked out the website the other day, I was like, how you, like you say, you've got the events page and the calendar, and then you can like sync the calendar to so you can like get the events from it. I was like, brilliant. Just, just sort of to put in the ideas there. It's like, oh yeah, just I'll put that in my calendar. So no, I appreciate that. And then you've got like a little weather forecast for weather's coming for <laughs> for the tap room as well. So no, it's it's great that you've got those yeah. little those little touches as well. But no, um, but yeah, for anybody who doesn't who doesn't already follow wants to go find out more, then please do go check out Turning Point and the, the tap room page and keep up to date with what's uh, what's coming up. But Josh, thank you for joining. I'll uh, I'll speak to you again soon and then uh, enjoy your holiday. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers. No, you're welcome. I'll speak to you soon. Welcome back, and thanks to Josh for joining me on the show. Hopefully, he managed to dodge COVID by working from home, and he enjoyed his trip away. I like it when breweries open their playbook for staff to contribute to future beer launches, ideas, and names. It must be great to think of new ideas and collaborate on them in-house between the staff members rather than the brewer coming up with ideas themselves all the time. Paying homage to cult references and TV shows is excellent too, and I can see why it takes away some of the pressure of thinking of new beer names each time that they've got one in the production line. Once it's open again, I can't wait to have a walk down by the river in Nairsborough and head over to their taproom at the end of the route. I personally can't think of a better way to finish a walk than with a fresh pint at the end. As I mentioned, the stout walkabout in York had happened before this show was launched, but I think it's fair to say that the event was a success looking at the reception on social media. Originally planned to last over the course of the full weekend, the places that were serving the beers sadly run out on the Saturday as opposed to having some left for the Sunday. Unfortunately, that meant some people had missed out on the beers, but taking the positives out of the situation, the event clearly was much more successful than Turning Point had expected and even hoped for it to be. Needless to say, I'm sure they'll be doing another one in the future, and even not appreciating stouts, I might try and get to that one with people who might appreciate them a little bit more than I do, and tag along with them for the ride. Again, thanks to Josh for joining me on the show, and thanks to you for listening to the show as well. Don't forget, any positive reviews on Spotify, Apple, or Google, or wherever you get this podcast would be massively appreciated, and if you are listening to it, please do let me know by sharing the show on your social media channels and don't forget to tag me in. It's always great to see people enjoying the show and hearing what you think about it as well. But until next time, bye for now. <laughs>